while you guys are standing, let us pray together this from Revelation, and then I will um, go ahead and read this for us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Then, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they have borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on earth who dwell on a blood on those who dwell on earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. You guys may be seated. So as we saw last week, we saw the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And if, and if false leaders and war and pestilence and famine and greed is not enough, this fifth seal is death because, because you were following Jesus. So you decide to give your life to Jesus. Now you're following him. And then you come to this fifth seal and death for the, you, you see death for the only reason of following Jesus. And I find it interesting here in this, as I think about this here in this, this country uh, in particular, in much of the West, we fear pain. I do. We fear pain. We fear death. We fear persecution. And certainly we fear martyrdom. Even if we elevate martyrdom over persecution, we still fear it. And I believe that the, this seal, this, this fifth seal, is one of the m- many reasons why Christians want to know where are we going to be in the end times? Is Jesus going to come back before this fifth seal? After the first uh, fifth seal? Like, when is it? And, and, and essentially the question is, are we to be persecuted? Are we to be martyred? Are we to be put to death for following Jesus? Is this what God has in store for us? And in that question can reveal our, a little bit of our heart that some of us, maybe not all of us, but we fear it. We don't want to go through this. We don't want to go through the suffering that is ahead. We, uh, and I don't, I'll be honest, I don't blame anybody for this. I don't want this type of suffering either. However, on closer review of this, This is something that if it comes, we can believe that God's grace will be sufficient in those moments for us because he said his grace will be sufficient for us. In our day of suffering, yes, even in our day of death, his grace will be sufficient for us. And if we're not there, we can only speculate because his grace isn't there for us to be die as a martyr yet because that's not what we're called to do necessarily right now. But this type of persecution that is being shown here is beyond being talked about poorly. As Christians, we are talked about poorly all the time. It's beyond people disagreeing with us on our stances that Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, salvation only comes through Christ. 
It is beyond losing friends. It's beyond losing reputations and jobs. And, and it's, uh, it's beyond uh, our well-being to keep up with our family. It's beyond alienations from one family just for following Jesus. Resentment towards Jesus here in this fifth seal is to the point where if we identify him, if we say Jesus is king, if we say Jesus is our Lord, then we will be killed for him, for that reason alone. As with the first four seals, this fifth seal is not just for the end times. It is alive and well in this world that we live in. Christians are being persecuted to the point of death throughout this world right now as we speak. This has been going on for a long time. I think of books like Fox's Book of Martyrs that, that is, it goes through and it talks about how many Christians were killed or DC Talks Jesus Freaks that talks about how many Christians were killed. And apparently, apparently, the number of fellow servants who are to be martyred, who are to be killed for believing in Jesus is not yet full. It's not full. It's not complete. The number is not complete. There, that means that there are more who are going to be killed simply for following Jesus. And it may not be happening here in the U.S. right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. The original readers, I think of the original readers of this, this letter, they would have known death for following Jesus is a very real possibility. We are invited to see this text that it's a possibility for us as well. They would have lived through times when many of them would have lived through times when Nero was the emperor of Rome. And when Rome burnt down, Nero blamed the Christians for this huge fire. And then he punished Christians. And to have... Um, to punish these Christians, he would set Christians on a pole and he would light them on fire as a way to light up the city at night. The city was lit up by burning bodies of Christians. And the only reason they were being burned is because they were Christian and they wouldn't renounce Christ. And I don't think this is what Jesus had intended when he calls us to be the light of the world. They... they they would have known, they would have heard about, or maybe even some in their midst would have been people who met in the catacombs in Rome, in tombs, in hiding, because the threat of death was so real for them. For simply believing in Jesus, for trusting that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They were running for their very lives and they dispersed. And they probably had friends that were killed family members that were killed, loved ones who were killed, certainly fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who were killed for the sole reason that they were Christians. These original hearers would know that the games in Rome where Christians were used for food for lions, where Christians were killed in mass at the Colosseum as a, because of a game and a sport an entertainment for the gathered crowds. This is the dangerous heritage of the faith, our faith in Jesus that has been passed down. 
Following Jesus was not and still is not without its risks. And yes, those risks even include death. Even if we can't see it now, this is who we belong to, these people. The original readers of this letter understood this, this was a political risk that they were taking to follow Jesus. They understood that the kingdom of God is so much more different than the empires of this world. And they lived that way. Throughout history, there have been times when martyrdom is more prevalent and, and, and is happening on, in greater numbers than it might be right now. But that isn't to say it's not happening now, because it is. And, I, and this is when Karina and I would bring in my voice to the martyrs and say, you could read this each and every month. And it tells story upon story of how Christians are being taken from their homes and they're being killed just because they follow Jesus. Just because they follow Jesus. And if you think about it, we live in this world today. There are people who have been pulled out of their house. They've been imprisoned. They're, they've been tortured. They've been killed for simply believing in Jesus or having a, a Bible or a section of a Bible in their house. And because there are many areas of this world where it's illegal to own a, bar, a Bible or any part of this Bible, where the Bible is seen, and I believe rightfully so, as a politically subversive book. And anyone who has one in their possession is a political opponent to the reigning regime. They see it as, the reigning regimes would see it as a book that says, follow Jesus over against the government. Well, we can't allow that talk because we need to rule and reign here. And they are right. That's the point of the gospel. To take us from the kingdoms and empires of darkness that are on this world, that are running our government, that are leading the people and controlling the arms and the money and the countries, and deliver us unto the kingdom of God. The one full of light and life and being ruled by the true king of kings. This is what this 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 is what scripture does. This is what the Bible does. This is what Jesus does. He takes us out of one and takes us into another. So that's saying where our government disagrees with Jesus, we disagree with our government and we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus at all cost. He is our king. He is our God. He is our Lord. Or let me say it a little differently, maybe a little bit more modern. He is our president. He is our chancellor. He is our prime minister. Not just of our soul in the kingdom to come. Not just uh, our soul in heaven. But of our whole life once we give our lives to Him. That means that we give our life to Him. He is King and God and president over the way that we live in our day-to-day everyday, workaday world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is our governance. Not just of heaven, not just in the hereafter, but we pray this every Sunday. Here on earth as it is in heaven, that's what we're submitting to. But to what extent? To what extent do we follow Jesus? I love this because Jesus is the one that leads John to this place. Jesus sees and he knows that some have followed him even into death. And if we follow him, he will be with us. He is with us now. 
This is where his grace will meet us in these moments as we walk through them. If we're following Jesus, even, uh, even unto death, his grace will be sufficient for us as we walk. As those in Scripture are crying out in, in this text, they're crying out for revenge and they're crying out saying, God, will you please, when are you going to do this thing? When are you going to judge and avenge our blood on earth? Jesus knows this is going on and he hears our cries. And as we see this fifth seal, as you see Jesus unveil it, we get to know that there are people just because they are following Jesus and Jesus certainly sees them. And we ask and we can join in. How long, O Lord, until you do something about it? How long until the conquering king, because we know that's what you are, actually goes out and conquers all this evil and death and violence in this world? How long before you go out and put an end to the suffering once and for all? And the cries go out. And maybe, maybe these days they go out something like this. No justice, no peace. We want this, Lord. We want justice so that we can have peace. Please bring it soon. Even now would be good. Jesus blows me away here. Jesus tells them to rest. 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 I had to look up this word this week in the original language because resting seems to be the furthest thing from what I would want done here. All of a sudden, I see all my brothers and sisters who have been killed for Christ that are under the throne and they're there and they're crying out for vengeance and justice. I want to join in. Lord, will you please give vengeance and justice for those mistreated followers of Jesus. I'd only want mercy for those who have suffered for Christ and actually just a little bit more vengeance, a little bit more vengeance for the persecutors. But Jesus says, rest. Here's what that word rest means. It means be refreshed, be quiet, so when I look these words up, what I do is I take the, the Greek or Hebrew word, I look it up, and I look at how else has it been translated. And so these are the ways that it's been translated. To be refreshed. To be quiet. To relax. To be relieved. So it's like even beyond relaxing. It's being relieved. And it's resting in the Holy Spirit or abiding in the Holy Spirit. Or you can look at it, this scripture saying it like this. Jesus is there and he says, I see it. I know it. And I got this. And this whole idea of rest to me is crazy talk. And then I think about crazy talk and I think following Jesus involves some crazy faith at times. Because I don't see how it's going to come. I don't see how it's going to resolve. And Jesus just says, I got this. Here are a few examples of how this word rest is used throughout the New Testament. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who are, are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mark 6, 31 and 32 says, And he said to them, 
Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Take a vacation, essentially. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. 1 Peter 4, 14 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and the God rests upon you. Luke 12, 19 says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample good laid up for many years. Relax. There's that word, rest. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. It goes on to destruction from there, but that's the context that it's given in. It's given in like, I will say to my soul, I'm just going to relax. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Just wait. Just wait for me. 1 Corinthians 1, or 1 Corinthians 16, 17 and 18 says, Rejoice at the coming, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence. They have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. So this word rest that Jesus tells us to have is like hanging out with our good friends and like being refreshed in that. 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 13 says, Therefore we are comforted, and beside our own comfort we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. The thoughts of you have just refreshed your spirit. This is what Jesus is asking us to do in the midst of this, asking these martyrs to do. And then Philemon Philemon, verse 20, it says, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. These, this is how we are to rest in Christ. The, this is the same for us as it is for those who have been killed for following Jesus. We are to abide in Christ, to be with Him, to relax with Him, to be refreshed by Him, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this rest, we can see and we can know that the work is not our work. This revenge work that they're talking about isn't our work. This work is Jesus' work. The timing isn't ours. It's Jesus. Jesus didn't just tell people to rest here. He gives the ability to rest based on the fact that they are given white robes. And I love this because... A robe is first clothing, right? So you can assume like maybe beforehand they, they showed up in their tattered, dirty rags that they were murdered in and Jesus gives them a white robe. He's covering their nakedness. Uh, he's covering the nakedness of those who have been martyred. And when we think of robe, we're we we supposed to be thinking of honor, like think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He was given a robe of many colors and, be, and uh, that robe was what helped set him above his brothers. In a parable that Jesus told, the lost son was brought a robe and a ring signifying like, welcome home. Not just any robe, but the best robes. Robes were also worn by those who served in the temple of God. Priests would have worn robes as a part of their service to God. 
So I don't think they're robes like our bathrobes. I think they're signifying goodness and wealth and majesty and, and bestowment upon another one. And then we have that these robes are white. And white is the symbol for purity, is a symbol for brightness. In fact, the New Testament's word of this use is used most in Revelation. And it's used for God the Father, who his hair was white like wool. The armies of heaven are arrayed in white. In the letter to the churches, Jesus closes those, clothes those who endure with him, who live with him, who go on and on with him with white garments. In other words, Jesus is placing these people in position of honor and clothing them with dignity and purity. It's a beautiful thing. Gives them the white robe and he says, rest. If if you think about it in Revelation, we've already sung, all glory and honor belong to Jesus. Well, so does purity. Purity belongs to Jesus. And here we see Jesus giving away what is his. He gives them away. These saints who died for following Jesus were not made pure by their own acts of righteousness. They weren't made pure by the fact that they went and died for Jesus. They still need Jesus. They still need his grace. They still need his covering. And I love this because grace is not something you can earn even if you die for it. Because it's through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we can receive this grace. If you see see even though they died for Jesus, they still don't understand all his ways. They still don't understand all his ways. They're still crying for vengeance that Jesus... Uh, And Jesus gives them purity instead of vengeance and tells them to rest, to relax, to watch him work. Jesus' salvation is not contingent on our works. Amen? It's contingent on his grace. The truth is that Jesus will clothe those who are not martyrs for him in white too. He has made us pure by the broken body and the shed blood on his cross. He has paid our debt. He takes off our filthy rags and gives us pure white as well. We don't deserve it and we can't earn it. And this is grace. And grace is what sets Christians apart. We are not perfect. And we know this. We are far more broken than we can understand. But But we don't work for God's approval. He just gives it and we accept it and we say thank you. The free gift is that he is offering this to all humanity. And we just get to accept it. And I think of this as we think of martyrs. Jesus died. And we, as his followers, are not greater than our Lord. And we may have to follow him, even including up to a martyr's death. But until then, we practice it. We die to ourselves so that Christ might live through us. We die each and every day. As we lay down all our burdens, we cast down all our burdens in Jesus, and we are attempting to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, the unforced rhythms of Jesus' work in our lives as we are doing our best to relax and rest in Christ, abide in Him. We'll see that the works 
that we have to do is oftentimes just to show up. Just show up. And the rest of the work is Jesus' work. We wait for Jesus to complete His work. We wait with these martyrs for the number of peoples to be complete. What I love about this is Jesus makes us pure. He takes away all that would have stained us and He replaces our stains with His purity. He takes our dirty rags and gives white robes. Here we see these robes are given to the martyrs, but we know that we get uh, Christ's goodness and His perfect gifts for all His followers is if we endure. This grace is the motivation to rest. Amen? We don't have to earn it. We're already loved. We rest in the fact that the work is Jesus' work. We rest in the fact and we can trust Him to complete His work. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. We rest in the fact that He calls us pure because He gives us His purity, not because of our own. So this has been my prayer this week. Let us believe in grace. Let us believe in Jesus' purity and that Jesus gives us what we can't earn. Let us follow Jesus. And yes, even if that means to the point of death, I don't want it. I can't believe that the martyrs were like, please, Lord, you know, choose me. No, we just follow him. But then even in that, let us die to ourselves so that he might live in us. Let us, especially like I I think about this week and where we are as a nation. As Christians, let us set aside party politics and follow our one true king. Let Jesus' grace shape our very existence, our very words, everything we do as we have breath on this earth. Let His broken body and His shed blood for us show us a new way, and then we follow that way, regardless of the cost. So Jesus, will You come back soon? Lord, we... We cry out for vengeance and you tell us to rest. May we learn what it means to rest in you. Lord, we thank you that you have set up, Lord, that the the blood of the martyrs has been poured out for us. Lord, we thank you that we are not those yet. And we pray for those who are being persecuted right now. Lord, let your grace be overwhelming in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.